this isn't our baby. And so from the beginning, we know that baby's not coming home with us. I'm not baby's mom. Baby already has a mom and dad or parents that baby will go back to. And it's not like we're giving up something. We're just helping baby grow and bringing them back to mom and dad. And so that helped me with the disconnect. But yeah, a lot of people's concern is how are you going to how are you going to handle giving the baby away? But knowing from the beginning it's not ours helps. My name is Trish Ware, and I am obsessed with all things pregnancy and birth and helping you to navigate both the practical and the magical seasons of this journey called motherhood. I'm an all-day coffee-sipping mama of seven and labor and delivery nurse who took her expertise in the labor room and turned it into an online one-stop shop for mamas looking for powerful education and support. I've had the amazing privilege of delivering many babies in my 15 plus year career as a labor and delivery nurse and as a mama of seven. I'm here to help you take the guesswork out of childbirth so you can make the choices that are right for you and your baby and write the birth story of your dreams. So hit subscribe and let's replace your anxiety and fear with complete confidence. Quick note, this podcast is for educational purposes only and does not replace your medical advice. Check out our full disclaimer at the bottom of the show notes. Samantha, I am so excited about having you here today. I love seeing your content on Instagram, and I'm so excited for my listeners and my followers to hear a bit about your journey because it's pretty unique. Yeah, definitely. Thank you for having me on. It's been a fun few years just navigating it, and so I'm excited to share. Yeah, I'm super excited. So I'm sure everybody's like peaked at this point. So I'm going to go ahead and just ask you a couple questions, but feel free to deviate, go off on your own little things. We really like laid back conversation on here. The podcast is called The Birth Experience with Labor Nurse Mama, and I wanted to share your birth experience because like motherhood, it comes in so many different hats. Like we wear so many hats and pregnancy and motherhood is different for everyone. And having had a very short season of infertility and lots of loss. And thankfully, it was after I had already had children. But it allowed me to understand very small portion of what some women go through on their journey to motherhood. So I feel so excited to have you here to talk about what you're doing for some of those moms who can't necessarily carry a baby or get pregnant. So today we're talking about becoming a surrogate or being a surrogate and your surrogacy journey, which apparently I can't say that word. It's a tough word. And honestly, we get all sorts of spellings in our DMs and even talk to text. It's it spells it out circus, and so which sometimes it is a circus. So on a, no worries. What I wanted to start with is your motherhood journey to becoming a mama, and then deciding to become a surrogate. So feel free, just jump in and tell us your journey. Okay, so my husband and I got married in January of 2014, and we always wanted kids. We 
loved kids and we talked about having four or six and three or two and a half years into marriage, we got pregnant with our first. Pregnancy was great. I We live a very active lifestyle and we didn't stop living life. We kept camping and hiking and I stayed active through my pregnancy. I ran a mile a day up until 37 weeks. Thankfully, I had no morning sickness, nothing high risk very like picturesque pregnancy of what you would want, especially as a first time mom and a young mom, not knowing what all to expect other than my mom's experience and her sharing in our friend group. I think I was the first one to get pregnant and have a baby. And so not a lot to go off of, but yeah, thankfully I had a really good pregnancy and we had him and he was such an easy baby, slept well, nursed well, was rarely fussy. And at nine months, we're like, let's have another one. Like he's easy and got pregnant again, very quickly, thankfully. And again, great pregnancy. I was chasing around a toddler at this time. So a little more active in different ways. We moved states. So we had less friends and family around, stayed active in my own way, but had great pregnancy And with labors, both labors were almost identical. So with Canyon, I woke up at about 5 a.m. at 38 and a half weeks having contractions. And about that 30, 35 week mark for sure, I'm like, I'm done. I'm ready to have this baby, get this thing out of me. And by 38 weeks, I'm like on my knees praying like, God, I am ready. And so when I woke up at 5 a.m. and my contractions were starting, I got on my knees and was just like taking deep breaths was hoping this was it. My husband went into work and he took me to my grandparents' house. And I was like, you may get a call in a few hours. So just I'll let you know. And I think it was about two or three hours later, I was like, okay, this is it. And I was tracking my contractions on the app. Never did any like birth classes, but I had one friend who was like a semi doula. So she coached me through a little bit, like what to expect, what to, what would happen. And so I think my contractions were, it was eight minutes apart And I want to say they were almost that five minute mark when I was like, all right, we should probably go in. And so we went in around noon. They checked me. I was a four. They admitted me. And I want to say around 4 p.m. They broke my water and I labored naturally. I did have a little fentanyl to take the edge off. You still definitely feel everything and some Pitocin to keep me going. And in that with this being my first delivery, I, or my first labor, I would scream and yell and all the energy would come out through my mouth instead of bearing down and pushing and loved my OB. But at the time I didn't know that he's pretty, let's get this done. If you're not progressing, we're doing a C-section where we're, I'm getting out of here. Cause he's got other, he was laboring, I think multiple rooms and he left the room and my nurse was like, here's the deal. He's going to push for a C-section. If you don't like progress. So she tied up this towel. She held one side. Yeah. I held the other side. My favorite. Yeah. Yes. I had my mom, my husband, my sister, and then a friend all in the labor room with me. Hello, pre COVID. And we all were like, all right, let's do this. Someone was holding my hand, holding my head. And just having that support was amazing. But honestly, if it wasn't for my nurse teaching me how to bear down and to hold that scream in and push down, I wouldn't have progressed. And immediately she saw change and progression and dilation. And I think that was probably timing is rough, but want to say maybe six or eight at night. And then I delivered at 10 healthy baby boy. And so with labor or with our second Ember labor was pretty much the same. We were in a different state. So different hospital. I had a midwife. So she was a little bit more patient with me, coached us through 
some counter pressure, which was new because with Canyon, I didn't do a lot of walking or moving. I was in the bed a lot sitting. And so with Ember, which let me interrupt. Yeah. I want to interrupt for a second. Yeah. (laughs) Because I want. This is your forte. Yeah. 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 So there's a couple of things like I'm burning up inside and any of my students listening are probably like, oh shit. Trisha's going to yep. come. So <laughs> I'm burning up a little because, yes, I so appreciate your nurse. Praise mm-hmm. God for good nurses. But what I don't like about the birth culture and what I want to change is the fact that we as nurses have to warn you, he's going to want to do a C-section, so we need to do this. Instead of mamas knowing the baby's fine, I'm fine, I'm sorry I'm not going quick enough for you, but I'm not going to have a major surgery just because I'm not on your timeline. It's, it's yeah, it's just it really ugh, inside of me. I'm like, gosh. Now the other thing that I love about tug of war that she did with you is that it really doesn't matter if you're holding your breath or not holding your breath because you're technically yeah. not really pushing. Yeah. But what happens is it activates that powerful push mechanism. Yeah, and that's why I love tug of war because all you have to worry about is pulling. Yeah. You don't have to like do anything fancy. Yeah. And it's such a great thing for first time moms. Second time moms, you do one or two tug of wars and that baby's going to fly out at you. (laughs) <laughs> yes. I, and we didn't do the tug of war with the second. With you our didn't midwife. need to. <laughs> yeah, exactly. With our midwife, I did more walking around. I sat on the yoga ball in the shower and let the water run down my back. And that was great. Wanted to get in the tub, but I think everything was progressing too quickly that I didn't. And one of the greatest things was leaning over the bed. Dan sat on the ball behind me and put his hands on either side of my hips and rocked back and forth and rocked me through counting down the contraction. And that was a game changer because I enjoyed laboring and I wanted to experience that. But to have the edge taken off with his help was really great. And I felt like I can remember more of each stage of laboring with our second because my midwife would come in and she's, oh, here's the little grunties. This is when it's starting. And she helped me realize like what was coming next and and I could feel it and sense it, but similarly was admitted at noon. They broke my water at four and then had Ember at 11 at night. And I'm thankful for both of my births. I feel like I learned a lot in different ways. And even after sitting in on your empowered birth class, it brought back a lot of memories and just things that like, even though I had two great labors, like what can I learn from and what can I grow from and do for next time and be an advocate for myself. And now being on a surrogacy journey and approaching delivery in a little bit different way because it's not our baby. We're just taking everything into consideration. And I love that because it's still your birth experience and you still, I I hope for goodness sake that this time, having spent some time with me, (laughs) that if someone tells you he's going to want to do a C-section if you don't blah, 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 then I hope this time you're like too bad for him because he can't do one if I'm not in there. Exactly. That's how I feel about that. It's just so frustrating. But I love, I love this. Like I just happened upon your account. I feel like maybe one of your reels popped up in my discovery page or something. And of course you have a pregnant belly. So I'm like, oh, yes. (laughs) So I love hearing your journey because of course I've had six babies that Mm -hmm. I've given birth to and my oldest or my youngest is seven. My oldest is 31. So we didn't have the ability to peek into people's lives like 
people do now Mm -hmm. and to be exposed to the normalcy of different things. And I think that's what I love so much about your account because I think that for me, I feel like there's been like this thing of, oh, that would be so hard and to give up the baby and go through all that instead of looking at it like this gift that you're giving and like you have this ability to do it and you love being pregnant and you love your labors. And I just think, I feel like if I had been exposed to that, I would have been a perfect surrogacy mother because I love pregnancy. I like my friend said to me when I was younger, she said, you're the only weirdo that watches birth and wants to go get pregnant again. Like everyone else is. So I'm really excited for you to maybe talk to someone who's considering becoming a surrogate. I'm not going to say it the other way because it is near impossible to say surrogacy. Yeah. Yeah. Why? It's a weird word. Any tips for my listeners who are considering it and what would be those steps you would take? Let's say someone's, man, I really want to do that. What's next? Yeah. So a little bit before getting into that, what made us decide to do it was I did have, like I said, those good labors, good pregnancies, low risk labors. And originally we wanted more kids and I enjoyed being pregnant. I enjoyed labor. But after having the two kids, we did feel done. We felt like we had our boy, we had our girl, our family was complete, but now, and I didn't feel like I was done birthing. And I'm like, how can I like get pregnant and have a baby without parenting more, even though I'm parenting for the rest of my life. But, and that's when a friend brought up surrogacy and I really felt led to just pursue it and to see if this was something that we would be able to do and started researching what it entailed. What is a surrogate? Do I carry my own embryo or our own embryo, or is it the intended parents and educating ourselves on what the requirements were, what the process was. And yeah, we felt led to do it in 2018. And our first couple that we matched with in 2020, they ended up getting pregnant naturally. And so we never transferred. So huge miracle there. And then our second set of intended parents, which is the journey we're on now, we matched with them July 1st. And then we're, oh my gosh, five weeks away from my due date. It's crazy. Yeah, like we share our journey online and we share just advice on an insight because Surrogacy isn't something that's widely talked about. I feel like in the past few years, it's become more, I don't want to say popular, but people are more aware of what it is, but there's still some like taboo topics about it and you're giving away a baby and on our side as a gestational surrogate, it's not, it's no way biologically related to us like DNA wise. So it's not my egg. It's not my husband's sperm. It is the intended parent's embryo. Or like there, or a donor egg, donor sperm that's just transferred via IVF to my uterus. And so we're not genetically related. And on my side, that helped me with the disconnect of after labor, this isn't our baby. And so from the beginning, we know that baby's not coming home with us. I'm not baby's mom. Baby already has a mom and dad or parents that baby will go back to. And it's not like we're giving up something. We're just helping baby grow and bringing them back to mom and dad. And so that helped me with the disconnect. But yeah, a lot of people's concern is how are you going to, how are you going to handle giving the baby away? But knowing from the beginning, it's not ours helps. Now there are traditional surrogates who utilize their egg prior or like with the 
while they create the embryo. And then as a traditional surrogate, she would carry the embryo that uses her egg. And some people do that. But for me, I that's something that I wouldn't be comfortable with. And so if someone out there, whether they want to be a traditional surrogate or gestational surrogate, I just started researching a ton of stuff. Surrogate.com was a great resource at the time that I utilized. I Googled surrogacy agency agencies near me and just asked questions. I watched as many as I could find like documentaries on like YouTube, but there wasn't a whole lot, which kind of inspired me to share our own journey from start to finish because we share the raw and real moments. There's pregnancy, thankfully, is pretty easy for me, but there's hard days. There's emotional days. So not only in pregnancy, but in your own home life and then the journey's more complicated with different steps and the legalism of it and taking in the consideration of the parents' thoughts and desires for a journey. And so there's more to it. And so we share as much behind the scenes and real life moments as possible to give people like the true insight of what a journey looks like. And I put something on my website that helps and just give more information to whether you're a surrogate or intended parent and you're looking into surrogacy, what are the steps and what does it look like? And there's pretty, I guess, generic requirements to become a surrogate. You have to have birthed at least one live birth, low risk pregnancy, because doctors need to know that your body is capable of giving birth. Just like I tell people, I'm not going to hire a contractor who's never built a house, or I'm not going to buy a cake from someone who's never baked. And so they need to see your birth records. They need to see, is it the most optimal person to bring this baby into the world? And low BMI, no drugs or alcohol. It's pretty standard to not be on state assistance because although compensation is standard. Any You don't want any added stress in a surrogate's life because obviously stress with pregnancy isn't good. And so there's different requirements to, to meet. And then once you realize you meet that and you've decided with your family member, your spouse or partner that surrogacy would be right for you, you start pursuing the process. You can go independently or through an agency. The steps are pretty much the same. So you have to get your records cleared. You have to do a medical screening. So they do like a saline sonogram, make sure everything looks good, uterus ovary wise and you do some medication, um, estrogen and progesterone. So you're basically prepping your body for pregnancy and you're faking telling your body you're pregnant before you're transferred, before the embryo is transferred. And then it's a normal pregnancy and then there's delivery. And with delivery, you're just delivering with either parents in the room or outside of it. But yeah, it's been an exciting journey and great to share and lots of questions. And again, it's just now, I think, becoming more common. And so sharing about it has been, it's been a joy. So I want to go back a little bit. You said one of your friends mentioned it to you. So was Dan there with you when they mentioned it? Or is this something that was inside your heart and was tugging at you and you did a little research and then you presented it to him? Yeah. And if so, how did that go? (laughs) (laughs) Yes. A lot of people are like, how did you convince your husband? And yeah, my friend and I, we were in town visiting and we had a little late night chat and she was like, so are you having more babies? And at this time, I think she had three. And so she's asking if we're going to have a third. And I'm like, you know what? I don't think so, but I still want to be pregnant. And she was like, what about surrogacy? And I'm like, I actually have thought about that, but I didn't know much about it. And we talked a little about it. I went home, researched, and I hadn't told Dan at the time. And after I did my own research so that I knew like coming forward what I could what just say, like I was educated. And I said, hey, babe, we're done having kids. I've thought about, I still 
missed being pregnant and he knew that I loved labor. And I said, what about your thought on surrogacy? And his immediate thought was, we're not going to give up our baby. And I had to explain to him as a traditional or a gestational surrogate, it's not our baby. We're just baking the, baking the bun and utilizing my body, but it's not our baby. And he was like, okay. And we are really active in our faith. And so he spent some time praying and I just didn't mention it again. And after about a week, he was on his home way home from work. He usually calls letting me know he's coming home and he's let's do it. And I'm like, let's do what? He's like, let's do surrogacy. I'm like, okay. So I always tell people it didn't take a lot of convincing. I just shared my heart. I shared, you know, the process of it and what it looks like. And then just we both prayed about it. And when we both felt ready, we moved Thank forward. God did it. <laughs> yes, exactly. I love that too. And while you're talking, I am thinking in the Bible, there are stories of Yep. Now, it doesn't always play out right, though, because I'm thinking, is it, oh, goodness, I'm thinking it's Abraham well, with Sarah. Yeah, and Sarah. Yeah. Or even I reference a lot just Mary, because a lot of times people will say the comment like, oh, as a Christian, you can't be a surrogate because you're playing God. And I'm going off of what we felt led to do, what we felt God placed on our heart. And we've prayed through every step of the process and God has we feel like shown up and helped everything to go smoothly and the timing of it. I always relate it back to Mary because she herself was a surrogate for Jesus. It was supernatural conception and, and it was not her, I say biological baby spiritually. Yes. And it ended up being, but a supernatural conception. And so she carried Jesus into this world and as God's son. And so that's how we view it that the Lord is working this out through his timing. Yes, it's not natural and natural conception, but I always say Mary was a surrogate. So why can't we do that as well? If you think about it, like Abraham went to Sarah and said, if you want to have a child, we'll have Hagar have a baby. It is in the Bible. Although that, I don't know about doing it, let your husband having sex with another woman and then living with her. That didn't go well. At all. Yes. And there are some <laughs> surrogacy in general is there's different ways that people do it. Sometimes I've heard of people like if they're super close with their surrogate, like the surrogate will stay with them or live with them. But it just complicates things too, because there's normal life and different feelings and emotions that come along with pregnancy. And then on top of that, the stresses and nervousness of a surrogacy journey and the unknowns of IVF, like all the emotions and finances and everything just adds to it. But there's couples who are really close and intended parents and surrogates that are really close. And then there's some that are very distant. There's couples in China and France and whatnot and surrogates here in the US. And so every dynamic looks different. But yeah, that would definitely be a unique one. Yeah. And I'm even thinking like with living together, it's we're not, it wouldn't just be hard for the surrogate mom. It would be hard for the intended mom as well because I actually saw a picture the other day of a pregnancy photo shoot with intended parents and the surrogate mom. And I loved seeing it, but the mom, the intended mom wrote something about just not being able to see her belly grow and feel her baby move. And I think there'd be a lot of emotions. And that was one thing I wanted to ask you through this journey, like what has been the hardest for you? Because no matter how you spin it, you're pregnant and you have pregnancy hormones. And when you have this baby, you're going to have all of those postpartum hormones. So what are you doing to educate yourself, to prepare yourself 
for the chance that those hormones are difficult to process. Yeah, definitely. That was my biggest concern going into it. And Dan's too was how will we handle handing the baby over and having that separation and that closure. And that was something I really wanted to look into and make sure that I was prepared. Because I will say I I think I am like an emotional person and I'm emotional in a lot of things, but that I, I know when to be and when not to be. And so that's something we wanted to look into. And there was one article I read that, like I mentioned too, that knowing it wasn't our baby or it's not our baby helps. And I won't be, I won't be nursing. And so I won't have that physical connection with baby, knowing that baby has a mom and dad already. So that's not our role to fill, knowing from the beginning that this was the outcome that we planned for. But also instead of looking at it and going home and after discharge and being like, I'm coming home without a baby, look at it instead as I'm coming home to my two healthy, beautiful children that I get to love and be there for and enjoy and to plan a family vacation or to plan a trip to direct your mind off of what you quote unquote don't have or what you didn't come home with because we can get in our mind and our the mind games or I always say the enemy telling us like, oh, different things and negative thoughts when that's not that's not how it ever was planned to be. And so we do have planned to travel as a family. We love traveling. It's something we do very often. And it does give us that fix that we need or that fulfillment that we need. And I plan to continue sharing our journey postpartum and sharing the process of pumping and how my emotions are. And so I think helping plan and prepare is helpful, but knowing and giving yourself grace that there are hormones, there are going to be different feelings and who doesn't love newborn snuggles and cuddles and their sweet yeah. smell in their face? And you know, so the, there may be a few days of, oh, I just want to hold little baby or I wish I could see little Sarah babe again. But just knowing that they they have their mom and dad and that was the whole goal of this really helps. And in addition, I have a friend who is delivering a few days after me. And so she's local to me. So I'll probably just go to her house and get all the snuggles and I always tell Dan, I love babies in general, but I also love giving them back. And so if I can just have a few snuggles, I'm good. But we're excited to have some family time after that. And you mentioned with the intended or the maternity pictures with the intended mother, realizing that's not, her baby's not growing inside her body. That would probably be throughout the journey, the hardest thing to process as a surrogate is knowing that they're not able to experience this themselves when that is everyone's desire. Some intended parents know from the beginning that it's not possible. Example, two men or a woman with born without a uterus. There's certain situations where they know this isn't possible. But then there's those intended parents who, like our first ones, there was no reason. There's no medical reason why she shouldn't have been able to carry a baby full term. And so I think for those types of intended parents, it is harder to process. It's harder to walk through because it could be them. And why isn't it them? And with a sharing or even for those who don't share their journey to take that into consideration with everything. I'm very cautious on things that I say or things that I do because I never want to insult them. I never want to offend them. I never want to hurt them or cause them more pain than they've experienced through the years of loss. And I don't, 
I don't send them certain things that will trigger things. I don't say certain things that will trigger things. We're very respectful in how we handle situations and we're allowing them to control and be a part of what they desire to. And if they want to do maternity pictures with us, then great. And if they don't, then that's okay. If they want to be in the delivery room for it, great. If they don't, that's okay. Because I just want them to feel at peace, at ease and comfortable with their journey and process it how they need to, because I don't know what that feels like. I haven't been through that loss. And during the journey, I would say that's the hardest process, but we're hopeful that once baby's here, it just wipes away some of that those nerves and that fear and lack of hope and that they just have joy and excitement because through all the hard work, all the steps, baby, their baby is in their arms. We are hosting a free five-day online event educating expectant mamas on proven ways to ditch their fears of labor and losing control so that you can work with your body, not against it. Will I be able to handle the pain? What if I tear, poop, or need a C-section? How can I make sure the care team listens to me? As moms-to-be, it's completely normal that our minds become filled with so many what-ifs as the big day approaches. But here's the problem. Fear produces adrenaline, which slows your labor progression and works against oxytocin that feel-good, labor-encouraging love hormone. The solution to combating all that fear and adrenaline? Education and understanding. That's exactly what Five Days to a Fearless Birth Experience offers. You can join us, led by me, a seasoned high-risk labor and delivery nurse, and our team doula, Taylor. Here's what you can expect. Four live trainings, a 15-page downloadable workbook plus worksheets sent to you every single day of the event, access to our pop-up Facebook group, which will only be active during the event, daily giveaways and aspirations, live Q&As, and the opportunity to join our VIP experience. Make sure you join us. Click the link in the show notes. We can't wait to see you in. One of the questions I had for you was talking about the intended parents and your relationship and whether or not you guys set up any boundaries, but you're saying you've walked through them as they come or did you have, did they have some boundaries that they wanted in place or? Yeah. So upon matching, we let them know up front, Hey, we share our life on social media and we would love, we shared our first journey. We would love to continue to share our second journey and share our side of it, remaining confidential when you guys want us to. And so they allowed us to share a little bit of their journey up front and who they are, which was awesome just to share their pictures so that our followers could see who we matched with. But through the months, I think it is emotional and it's hard to process and you're processing a lot of feelings. And so we just directed our journey or our sharing more so just on our side and our perspective as surrogates. But they knew prior to that I would share the journey and they were okay with that. And I always tell surrogates if they do desire to share their journey, just make sure it's talked about up front so that the intended parents know what to expect so that it's in contract. So no one's thrown off, never speak for them. And 
Um, but yeah, setting up those boundaries and then they are out of state. And so they zoom in for our appointments. So we get to FaceTime them for the appointments, all the ultrasound pictures, we mail to them, send them heartbeat videos and sounds, and they're going to get here 37 weeks. And so as each step, as each week goes, each month progresses, we just chatted about what the next, I guess, month or season looks like. And they let us know what we're able to share, what we're not, what they're comfortable with. And yeah, just take each step as as it goes, but respect their boundaries and their desires and their like personal life, but also still being able to share our side was important to us. I'm sure it's really awesome for them to be able to watch you on Instagram and see your belly and see what's going on in that way as well. Yeah. Did you guys, have you guys set up what's going to happen with your birth or have you guys talked about that yet? I'm assuming since you have five weeks and you tend to deliver at 38 weeks. Yep. Yeah. And that's the hope, right? I'm like, okay, did 38 and a half with both of them. Does that mean I'll go 38 and a half again? Like maybe. I always say number three can throw a loop into everything. See, I know. I'm like yeah. prepared for the worst. Yeah. yeah. So we have talked about birth plan about that 30 week mark. I We sent an email just of what we'd done in the past, what we felt like we wanted to do again and just got their thought on it. I did do a little bit of physical therapy for my second birth before and after just to help with some adductor muscle pain that I had in my first labor. And it really helped. And so I desired to do that again. We let them know we would labor at home a little bit. Um, We asked their thoughts on like membrane stripping or I did evening primrose oil and let them know we want that natural delivery, which we talked about this up front too, but just getting closer to the due date, like what we, what we were thinking or what they were thinking and what labor and delivery would look like and when they would get here. And so we have talked about it. We have a little bit of a plan set in place, but I always say there's plan A, B, C, D, and Z. And so we're just, I think, taking it one one step at a time. And I, I, I'm starting to get nervous and dance. You always do this. And then immediately after you're like, let's do it again. And I think just the unknown of labor is nerve wracking and not knowing what will come next or how it will work or yeah, I'm starting to get well, nervous, but it's going to be good. I, I love some of the things that you mentioned because I'll be completely real. Like they lucked out on getting you as a surrogate mom yeah. because I'm not sure that I would have even thought about asking their opinion about evening primrose oil or membrane sweeps. Mm-hmm. Or I love that because you're giving them the opportunity to make these decisions for the birth that every mom and every parent should get to make. And yeah. I, I just feel like that's so empowering. Yeah. I wanted to give them the respect of letting them know, or at least asking like, Hey, this is what we're desiring. What's your thought on it? Because although it's my delivery and my body doing the work, it's their baby. And I want them to feel comfortable with how their baby comes into the world. But to also remember that I am my own advocate and I have to look out for myself because although they, although I want to do this, they may not want me to do it. I have to do what I feel is best for my body or like what I can handle. And if they, for example, don't want me to do fentanyl, but I need something to like help take that edge off, then I have to be comfortable and okay with saying that. And they have to be willing to let me make that decision too. And so it is a huge team effort. I never want to be like, this is what's going to happen. This is how it's going to go. You can either be there or not or whatever. I don't want that. I want to be respectful of their desires, but at the same time, it is my delivery and 
I know what I'm like only, I only know what I can handle and what my body can handle pain wise and discomfort wise. And so to prepare them, this is what could happen, but this is what you're planning for. Yeah. I definitely wanted to take their thoughts into consideration. I think that's awesome. So tell me just curiosity. I have not delivered I, I've delivered a lot of adoptive mm-hmm. babies, but awesome. I have not. I don't know that I've ever delivered a surrogate baby. Really? And if I did, I don't think I was aware of it. If I labored her, or which I feel like I would have known, yeah. but I'm just interested. So, will the baby be in the delivery with you, or will intended mom do the skin to skin? What's the plan so, there? And this is all going off of what I've heard, what is common, and so things could change depending on situations and pregnancies, but what is the plan is the hospital already knows the situation that I'm a surrogate, that there's intended parents. Sometimes the agency will do that, or if you just contact them and chat with the social worker at the hospital or do a hospital visit, then they know the situation coming in. And so we'll have one delivery room. We'll deliver as long as restrictions, parents are able to come in there or COVID restrictions. So they'll be in there as much as they want to. They'll be in there for delivery. My doctor already knows. And immediately after delivery, let's say everything is great. Baby's healthy. Baby will be checked out by nurses or whatnot, and then go to mom and dad right away for skin to skin. I won't have that skin to skin. I don't desire to, because I don't want that connection. I want that separation. There are times where if it's if the couple hasn't made it there yet or the couple doesn't desire because there's different traditions or different things that like that are okay like cultural to do. Or, yeah cultural or, differences i and can't so, even speak today yeah i'm like what's yeah. the word cultural differences where <laughs> my friend who was a surrogate delivered and the husband wasn't in the room or the mom didn't want to hold the baby right away because of a comfort level and so each situation is different, but for ours, how it plans to be is baby will go to mom and dad right away. They'll have that skin to skin. And then for postpartum rooms, we'll have two separate. So I will have my postpartum room and then they will have one for baby. Most likely baby will stay a little bit longer, make sure they're good. I'm assuming I'll get an earlier discharge if everything's okay. Not quite sure, but we just let them know that, hey, if we get discharged early, we'd love to see baby whenever you're ready. Once they have time to settle in and our parents have chosen to do formula, so they don't need my milk. And once they're settled in and ready and they're ready for us to meet baby, then they can bring baby over. I'm going to have to figure out the pumping situation, but with getting myself ready and brushing my teeth and rinsing off in the shower and being able to relax without having to care for a newborn. And so I'm just going to have Dan pamper me <laughs> the whole time. And there you go. And just worry about my own healing. But yeah, we'll see baby after discharge. But from then on, that's it. They take baby and we go on our way. I really hope they're buying up uh, formula right now. I know. With this shortage going yeah, on. Yes. Oh they my goodness. Prepped. They've let us know. So we yeah. just plan to, I do want to pump because I exclusively breastfed with ours. I pumped as needed date nights and stuff, but I loved how it helped me with postpartum recovery. And we have another a friend who's an intended parent and they would utilize the milk. And so we just plan to give it to them or donate. Oh, it I love that. It. Just because if I'm going to pump, I don't know how it will go. And so I let them know, warning, we're not sure how this will go, but I want to try 
and excited to share that process as well. Yeah, that's just another gift. I think that's amazing. So I have loved listening to you today. I had all these questions ready for you, but you apparently know your stuff. So I didn't need to go down any of them. Yeah, you did because I was going to ask you like what would disqualify someone, but you answered that. Do you, one thing that I want to ask you, do you feel like there's anything in this process if you did it again I have two questions this one and then another one anything you did again would you do it differently Hmm. I think I think we do desire to do it again Dana I've talked about once delivery if everything goes well if the kids handle it well I think I could handle one more I don't want to be popping out babies forever but we would desire a couple that is in the same state as us because it makes it easier for them to be a part of it. And we do desire that close relationship. That's one of the reasons why I do it for an international couple because we wanted that close relationship. Our kids are highly involved in it. This was not a transactional thing for us. It was very relational and something that we've prayed about and prepared for years. And so having that distance, I would say is hard. And so if it was a couple that was close to us, that was able to come to the appointments that we were able to connect with a little bit more, I think it would be a more, I guess, fulfilling journey, but altogether, we're still super excited for them and are happy for them that we've matched with them. But I think having just a closer relationship would be more enjoyable. That's awesome. Yeah. The other question I had for you, has this at all made you guys want to have another baby? (laughs) I don't think so because we're very active and outdoorsy and I say nomadic and our life is always changing. We haven't announced this fully yet, but we plan to RV for a year after baby's born while while we're like building and buying land and a baby doesn't, I say it doesn't fit into that because you can always fit a baby in. And with us, our kids both camped when they were three months old. And so we never stopped our life, but. Oh yeah. I'm the worst person to say that too, because I've had seven and I literally, they just did my thing. Exactly. They just go Mm -hmm. along with you. And that's a good parent. That's a good mom right there because we, you can't just stop your life and we never wanted to. And so we always say we're good. We feel complete, but if the Lord has other plans and so be it, but this pregnancy, I don't feel like I'm missing out because it's not mine. And we don't have to plan a nursery. We don't have to pick out a name and buy clothes and prepare for all that. And so it's a little less stress on us. And budget for diapers and all that. Exactly. So yeah, we're not too, it hasn't really changed our minds too much. I love that. And it's been so nice talking to you today. I'm super excited and I can't wait if I'm going to live vicariously through you if you do the RV thing. Steve and I, so my husband and I got married in 2020 and he has never had children. This has been quite a journey for him. He got seven bonus children. Most of them are out of the house, but we do have the two at home. But we've talked before, if we were younger, obviously we're not. So we would love to have a baby, but then at the same time, we're the same way. Like we went to Europe for a couple weeks with Grayson and he's seven and it's no problem. Now, Grayson was like my little buddy and because I had him at 42 and I literally just strapped him on me and went. We did everything together. So I even went, I went to Europe with Grayson when he was three-ish 
and Lainey was 14, just the three of us. And so I definitely can bring a baby. Yes, exactly. Next stage with the kids as they get older, making different memories. Because right now there's certain things we can't do because of their age or their size and their sleeping routine and whatnot. But then when they're older, it's that opens up just a new avenue of adventure and fun things we could do. And so we are excited for that sports and activities. But like you said, probably better than any of us, you just go with the flow. And so it happens great, but. Yeah. Thank you so much for coming on today. And thank you so much for letting us see into this journey. I really think that's life-changing for women because not everyone could do it for sure. And I think not everybody should do it. And I know I was doing some research in prep for talking to you today. And one of the things I realized is that people who are doing it really need to step back and examine their intentions because there's a lot of game, but there's also a lot that you lose while you're pregnant and whether it's if you're really sick and you lose time at work or what have you. But I'm super excited and I can't wait for everyone to hear this episode. Thank you so much for coming today. Thank you for hanging out with us today. I hope you enjoyed this conversation with Samantha. I had such an amazing time talking to her and hearing her heart for surrogacy. Still can't say that word very well, but thank you for hanging out. Make sure you hit subscribe and leave us a review and let us know what you want to hear more of. Bye for now.